Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Esther Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation. You got Logan and Steve with you today for another WNBA preview for the upcoming 2022 season. We're doing the Chicago Sky today, Steve. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Let's. Excuse me. Excuse me. The reigning WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. The reigning, defending, undisputed. No, um, I'm intrigued to see how much more we have then the sky won a championship and they're going to be really good because it in might some just cases, be that. that's just kind of how this feels. It's how funny it, would it could be if be, this was a two minute episode. Yeah. This could be our <laughs> longest or our shortest episode, like by far, because it, it, you could, you could really dive into this and dive out of it, but we won't do that um, because I know then, sky fans on Twitter that follow us, especially have been looking forward specifically to this episode. And I don't want to disappoint them by just being like, you guys are still really good. So good job. <laughs> you guys, you did it. You did it. They had a treat. such a fun year last year. Obviously, famously, uh, they kicked off the year. They, they won their first two games and they probably went on. Let me see if I can. Was it a, was it a nine game losing streak or eight game? My, brain's, streak? my brain says seven. You're right. It was a seven uh, game. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. It was a seven game losing streak. It was just a lot of L's in a row. Um, they lost a bunch to the Sparks. They lost a couple to Phoenix. It was like, yeah, they were two and seven to start the year. We were all thinking like, he, you know, even if they write the ship, like Candace Parker has been injured. If she comes back and she's healthy, maybe they can get things right. But like this, this doesn't look like the Chicago team we were promised. And then to end the year, they didn't do particularly well either. I don't know if you remember, but they, they played, uh, Vegas a bunch of times and lost to, uh, two, two of the three games they played against them. They, they lost a game to Phoenix by 20. Um, mm-hmm. They just didn't seem like they were taking care of business. And then they just got right in the playoffs, which is tough to do. But when you've got the personnel that this guy have on the roster, um, it's a little bit easier. So. Yeah, I, 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 sh- I, I should be more embarrassed to bring it up. But, I mean, we – I was very open about saying the Chicago Sky at the end of – Coming into the playoffs at the end of the regular season, I was calling them the most disappointing team of the entire year and the most underachieving. No, I think that was valid. I think and, that was totally valid. And at the moment, I think the argument stood pat, but as, yeah, it's just kind of that situation has progressed. You know, I, I've mentioned this before we hit record, but there were a few examples during the season when the Sky were able to have their. Their personnel pat, they had everyone healthy and on the floor. It was only really for a handful of games that everyone was kind of at full strength. And they hit scary mode. And it was just, they were overwhelming teams. They were defensively stout. They were making shots. They had weapons on every single portion of the floor. And it was like, this team is impenetrable when they've got everyone gelling and and they're healthy. And we just didn't see a lot of that. And they managed to put just enough coins in the wishing well to start the playoffs uh, and seemingly didn't look back. And I want to be, you know, some people will continue to go to the narrative of, oh, it was the five versus the six. 
course, the sky have a shot at the title. They, you know, they get, you know, going up against the five seed in the finals. One, don't ever disparage the good name of the 2021 Phoenix Mercury again. <laughs> Secondly, um, outside of that, if you want to use that narr- that narrative, what's very impressive about Chicago's playoff run was they had a very, very hard uphill from start to finish. Yeah, let's talk every- about that, actually. The they yeah. played an upstart Dallas team. I don't think it's a surprise that they beat Dallas. Um, Dallas made it to the playoffs and was kind of happy to be there. Then they played at Minnesota, which was a single elimination game that could have easily ushered them out of the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Beat Minnesota at the Lynx own house. Then went to war in the semifinals against the Connecticut Sun, who, if you listen to our Connecticut preview episode, last year kind of looked like the heir apparent reigning champs. I mean, yeah. we, we really thought it was the Sun's year at long last. They went and stole game one at Connecticut in a four game series that I, you and I talked right before the recording. That might have been the best game of the year. That, uh, yeah, it, it was. I, I called it Candace Parker's just in case you forgot who the hell I am game. Um, because she was clicking Vandersloot had a, that was her triple double game. That was the game correctly. Copper also had like 20 points in the first half, right? Like Copper just ignited. Yeah, Copper had a good night, and and uh, Vandersloot had a triple double. I mean, and it was yeah, it was this crazy double overtime. You know it, and I remember thinking like, oh man, I can't wait till next year when Chicago's got their legs under them. They're going to be <laughs> such a dangerous team. And then they were just like, Steve, shut up. We're going to go win a chip. And then they did it. And yeah, I mean, it was they they looked relatively sluggish in game two against Connecticut, and then. Made it work, got to the final, and then then had you know one of the weirdest finals matchups I've ever seen because there were a handful of blowouts, but every game was exciting in its own right. It was weird. Um, we talked about it in the yeah. Phoenix episode. It was a weird final series because it was a good three to one series, <laughs> and the one was yeah. an overtime loss, and it, and it was the formula they followed against Connecticut too. They split the the road series. They went back home and took care of business. They just didn't lose at home. They only lost two games the entire postseason and didn't lose at home a single time. Yeah. So it, that's how was, you do it. Chicago crowd. Yeah. And um, I, I guess my question is, can we put a finger on what, what made this work? What was the switch that officially flipped that made this happen? Like, was it, was it beating the fever? Is that the key? Was it, yeah, is, was is it, it just hey, or, yeah, like, win games? Because they were, like you said, they lost four of six to end the year. It was hard to tell if they were going to piece things together. And then all of a sudden, it just seems like they were locked in. And it was, you know, what were those impetuses that, that created that and locked that in? I think, like, KFC hitting queen mode was huge. Uh, and I think played a, a huge route for them, obviously. Um I think Candace being able to step back and take on more of a defensive and, and role and like working the boards harder than she ever has before. Well, she's always worked hard on the boards. That's a dumb thing for me to say because it's wrong. Um, it just kind of like it, it, but it's hard to tell exactly if you put your finger on like, what was the change? It just kind of felt like the sky finally were able to just play their brand of basketball. Yeah, they just, they played the way that we thought they were going to play at the start of the season. But we just didn't think they had it in them after. I mean, in a 32 game season, if you have a seven game losing streak, you just assume like that team can't win a championship. That's like and super. Yeah, it's, yeah. If, if you lose six of your or four of your last six and you kind of stumble your way into the playoffs, you just think 
they're good. They're talented. They just, that team's not going to win a championship. And then Copper did her thing. And you, you had Vandersloot, who we haven't talked too much about yet, but Vandersloot had a great postseason. She was out there. <laughs> she, she had, oh, let me count them really quick. She had six playoff games of double digit assists. Uh, including that game one in double overtime, she had 18 uh, and 10 rebounds. So Vandersloot, still one of the most efficient point guards on the entire freaking planet. Um, had double-digit assists in every game of the finals as well. That's a that's a fun little stat quirk for you there if you're a Sky fan. Um, they bring her back. We'll get, we're, we'll get to signings and free agency and stuff in just a second. But they're bringing her back for another year. They're bringing back Quigley. They're... They got the same team plus Emma Meesman. They're going to run this team back and see if they can defend the belt. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what's intriguing here is, um, this was another team as you look up and down that roster that you say potentially, we talked about this a little bit with Seattle. We had no idea what the state of the sky was going to be because it felt like there were a lot of players that could find their way elsewhere. Steph Dolson was one. And then when that happened, it was like, is that the domino or are they going to wrap up from there? And it looked like, uh, you know, you had, you know, you had Holly Rose saying on, you know, on TV that Fender Sloot had like a disrespectful offer or something like that. So a lot of narrative got shifted to, Oh, are they about to lose quickly? Fender Sloot, you know, is, are things going to blow up for this team? And, then they just re-signed everyone, <laughs> and it was fine. Yeah, they just kept everybody for at least another year, and they yeah, got and Copper I mean, they, on, a, on a slightly less than max deal for another two years. So that this this core isn't breaking up just yet. There, the sky is part of the reason that uh, we're all excited around this podcast for free agency twenty twenty three because it's going to be Stewie sweepstakes and it's going to be this stacked sky team kind of breaking up. You might see some movement from other stack teams like Phoenix and, and teams that where there's big contracts that are ending. Um, so next off season is going to be a fun time for stars in yeah. different uniforms that we aren't used to. But this off season feels like everyone's really confident in what they have. I mean, Phoenix went and picked up Tina Charles and <laughs> this, <laughs> the Chicago team went and got Emma Meesman from Washington and everybody's just basically fielding teams of three and four all stars in the starting lineup to see if they can yeah. get. You know, to get a championship before that free agency next year hits. Yeah, and then I think with you know, obviously Chicago. You know, there was this, there was dropping Steph. There was you know, Diamond to Shields moving on, and then a lot of scenarios of signings that are just you know, how is this generally going to play out? Because I think they also picked up some young legs that if they make the full time roster, because again, we're currently looking at a roster of. Uh, it's something like 17. Um, because we haven't quite pounded out rosters fully yet, but you know, it, 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 if they're going to find space for like Kaiser Gondersick or Captain Doyle, is going to be an interesting discussion. Um, I really, 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 really hope there is somehow a way that we actually see Sparkle Taylor take the court because I really want to talk about Sparkle Taylor and say Sparkle <laughs> Taylor. Um, yeah, I, but obviously like Mieseman really stands at the top of this. I think the Kayla Davis signing is really interesting, but they very much refounded things. And 
you know, two of the last three finals MVPs are currently sitting in Chicago right now. Yeah. And you, you so, did, you mentioned a couple of the departures. Uh, I know to the hearts of Sky fans, this probably matters more than to the talent on the floor. Um, but Steph Dolson, Diamond Shields, no longer in Chicago territory. I think, uh, Steph actually played some really good ball. And that's, that's one that I know Chicago's feel like, feels like it's probably going to miss. Diamond probably had the most down season of any of those. Like, like this, at the beginning of last season, we were like, man, there's so many big names on this team. Like, Diamond's going to be coming off the bench and she's an all-star. She didn't really have that type of a year. It'll be interesting to see where she goes from, from there. But in, in terms of their success last season, I think the sky bring back pretty much every meaningful cog in that machine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, th- that's what's intrigued about it. I think Diamond, uh, you know, I, I put a lot of that on her health. I think it'll be interesting. But I, I also just think what the contribution levels with Steph and Diamond, just I don't think they were fitting with the direction Chicago is in. And that's not a net negative in any sense whatsoever. It's just how, how it is. And um, with what they've built out, you know, it's really strong. I, I'm seeing right now, it looks like they've got Ruthie Hebert back on the roster. Um, I think they're able to play a little bit with some of their young bigs, with their backcourt to see if there's some mixes that'll work. Um, and try and build out some longevity balance out the amount of time they're going to need to use their front court, you know, give, I think they're in an interesting balance with Candace because you need to get her significant rest, but you can't let her miss significant games. If that makes sense. It's not so much a a load. It's you've got to get that minutes per game down, but uh, you know, you know, I guess that'd be like a question I'd have to you. I don't know that Chicago could survive another season if they're looking to, to run this back and repeat. I don't think it could survive another season not having Candace Parker on the court as often as she was off the court last season. I I agree and also I wonder. And, and just to be just to be clear, I think Chicago going into this this coming season here in a week, they're gonna be my second ranked team behind Connecticut in terms of power rankings. Like I see them as a final, like they're, I see them as a contender, obviously, but I see them as a, sh- like they have a shot to make the finals better than almost any team. I think basically besides Connecticut. And a lot of that is because based on what we saw last year, even when Parker was out, that horrid losing streak at the beginning of the season, it did feature three games in a row where they lost two in overtime and another by one point. And it yep. feels like that was sort of the time where the team was trying to figure out First of all, they just need to learn how to win and how to play together. And they were also just having, <laughs> they're just having a bad time. Just got unlucky, whatever you call it. As soon as, as soon as Parker was back in the lineup, I think it wasn't just her talent that reinvigorated the team, but the team started to just remember how to win again. And I don't think they're going to do that this year. I think they're going to start off strong. I think the title defense is going to get off to a good start and they're not going to need to do as much season saving from June onwards as they did mm-hmm. last year. So if they do need to rest Parker, I think they can get away with it just because of Copper's emergence as a superstar, Quigley and Vandersloot still playing well together. And I, I just think they're going to be able to avoid the, I don't think this is a team that's going to lose three games in a row at any point this season. So they might be able to get away with being rested and healthy for the playoffs. I mean, yeah, it, it's an interesting case because you can sort of make a few comparisons 
to the Houston Comets. I don't want to go heavy into that because I'm not trying to say these guys are going to four-peat. But um, that people forget the, the Comets' first title was not a guarantee. Um, I believe they were something along the lines of like 18 to 14. They didn't – or um, might have been 22 and 10. I, I have to look it up again. But they – they didn't necessarily come out red hot in that first season. They were right in the pack with everyone else. And then once they refortified themselves, they became a dominant roster. And there's potential that that's what's been built. I mean, the, the you know, the meteoric rise of Kalia Copper and her ability to be able to lead the team. She's so freaking good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I just like the, her ability to, to lead the team can really pay dividends. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I think there's a lot of pieces there. But I I was wrong it, earlier by the way. The the it was the game one against Connecticut was the game of the year. It was close the whole way. It was like a, literally like a one position game from start until at the end of the you know double overtimes. But it was the blowout against the Mercury in game three. Was it game three? Yeah, it had to have been where Copper had like 20 points in the first half, and it was just obvious that they weren't going to do anything to stop her. And if you're mm-hmm. a, if you're a Sky fan, last. Like now that I think about it, the last postseason was kind of your your dream scenario because you got nights where you were on the edge of your seat chewing your nails, and you got nights where you just got to breathe easy and watch your team be so good. Like just mm. you got to watch all that talent come together the way that it was designed to. And I really think it will again. I I'm a big believer in like I fear the the championship hangover. I worry that the mentality of a locker room loses some of that fire and that hunger after you've ascended to championship status. I don't think the players in this locker room feel like they're done. Um, especially no. like I, I have that quote from Candace Parker when she was on Thursday night basketball with, uh, with the, like the Thursday night crew just in my head at all times when Shaq was talking about her ring and she's like, well, I'm not done winning rings. And she just said it so matter of factly that you had no choice, but to believe her and rings yeah. plural are in her, you know, are in her plans. So this is a team that has every yeah. right to to believe that they can win a championship this year. If we want to kind of I, shift this towards our expectations, like if we're going to play the, the the ceiling and floor game, not only are they a threat, but I I think you could consider them a favorite. Yeah, totally. And and you could probably put a team like Connecticut in front of them on your power rankings and still call Chicago to to win the ship. And I'm I'm willing. To let you make that call. But I would say that I think there's two narratives that really spur the sky on. And that's what I find interesting. One with Candace specifically is I don't, I, I can't help but think she's probably got 2017 still in the back of her head, which was that 2016 Sparks team, they were coming out of that season looking like a new dynasty. And they were 10 minutes shy. Yeah of being the first repeat champion since the previous Sparks team. And it didn't quite pan out that way. And I, I think in, in her head and man, do I hate this word when it comes to sports analysis and I really hate myself for using it, but I'm going to say it. But in terms of legacy, I, I think in Candace's mind, she's, oh, I've got the team. I've got the horses. We can make this happen. A repeat title is something anyone I'm playing around hasn't pulled off. And, and that's a big deal. I think the other side of it is winning the championship is valid in every single case. I think the sky do understand, hey, we, we were a five versus six matchup. 
we want to have a wire-to-wire domination year. We want to show that we're the best team by far and and be that monster from the get. And I wouldn't be shocked. I, I'll say it right now. Like, I, I would be shocked if anyone but Chicago wins the Commissioner's Cup. Because um, I think in their head they're saying, you know, that's there just to remind everyone how dangerous we still are. And then watch us turn it into a championship. Whereas, you know, a team like Connecticut, for instance, if they lean too heavily into it, there's a lot of people who would almost want to call that like a consolation mm-hmm. type thing, which is dumb. If there's a trophy <laughs> to win, you should win it. Yeah. And it's awesome. And it's rose gold. So you might as well win it. Plus um, money. You get like, plus money. we're pro money. We're a money pod. Pretty like, amazing. Like, <laughs> Money's pretty good. I had it once and it was fun. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what it's like, but I imagine it's great. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. We we did we, we glossed a Diamonds. little bit over the Emma Meesman pickup, I think, but that's I think that's gonna serve them well. She's a really good player. Um she kind of gets overlooked because she didn't always like she was in Washington, but she didn't always play because of overseas commitments or injuries, what have you. Um but that is a meaningful pickup for a team that is still looking oh. to get better. Um, yeah, she fits that roster chance. like a glove. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're going to mesh right yeah. away. This is a team that's in, they're going to come in. They're going to be fun. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to host the All Star Game in Chicago this summer, um, which I wish we had a more notice, but that's fine. WNBA. Um, <laughs> that's it's yeah, not weird. It's in, not weird. In, in this, I guess we're gonna. I was going to wait till the end of this episode to do this, but we're going to do it now. Um, in this flight economy. <laughs> to whomever, whatever office of the WNBA is over this, 73 days is not near enough time to plan a cross-country trip. As badly as I'd like to go to Chicago for the All-Star game, uh, my goodness. Like, that it's, uh, I, 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 I go longer on this, but I know that it's preaching to the choir. I think everyone's kind of in that same <laughs> thing of like, if you had it in mind, like, it, I don't know if maybe there was a hang-up or there was a plan somewhere else. Like, if you had it in mind to be going to Chicago for the All-Star Game, this very dope location, this awesome city, why didn't we know that a year ago? Because that's something you should be hyping. Um, so that's that's what it is. Uh, the only other frustration I have as far as I'm looking at the, the sky right now is I'm bugged that Ring Night is only accessible on NBA TV. Why isn't that on a solid network? Don't tell me, oh, because playoffs with the MNBA. You can find a way to get that slot to work. That's we dumb. should be able to view Ring Night on a, on a large network. We should be able to watch Candace play her former team uh, to open the season against Liz freaking Cambage. It's like we deserve that matchup on 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 ESPN, even on freaking CBS Sports, Fox One. Like like you know, it, it's it's slotted for NBA TV, and it just bugs me. It should yeah, be. If, if there's one thing you stage. can count on when it comes to the WNBA, it's that they're always going to schedule a spicy ring night opponent because they they want the drama, and then they will also make it difficult to watch anyway. Um, after making it like an enticing opportunity, <laughs> so you got you got the narrative. That's not something and new. We you got the narrative, and we all want to watch it. We're all here for it. It's just that. A small percentage of us are going to have NBA TV. It's uh, not a very interesting network. Anyway, do, do um, you think? First of all, I this this is going to be kind of easy because we essentially saw Chicago's worst case scenario regular season last year, and they went sixteen and sixteen for a five hundred record in the sixth seed. So that's their floor, right? Like, the, unless you think their floor bottoms out more than that, I I, I kind of just assume that that's 
the lowest seed that the Chicago team can attain. And it doesn't really bother him that much. But I'm more interested in whether you think they can get, but can they have the best regular season record? Can they have the type of year where they only lose five or six games and they get the one seed and actually host? Because for being a great home playoff team in the playoffs last year, they didn't own any. <laughs> they had to go steal games on the road multiple times in mm-hmm. order to get that home court advantage. Do you think they get that one seed this year or at least have a shot at it? I think they certainly have a shot. It's really hard to take it away from Connecticut right now. It's, it's the Connecticut getting bumped in the semis has blinded a lot of people from the reality that they are pound for pound the best basketball team right now in terms of across a 32, 36 game season. Um, but I think there's, I'd say, I'd say it's, it's in the running for them, but I'd be hard pressed to put anyone else in the two spot right now. Like if, if if it's not number one, I definitely would put them in. As I'm looking at it, if they maintain themselves, they stay healthy. The only other team I think that could squeak their way maybe in there is probably Minnesota. But even then, it's, you know, this just feels very much like a kind of a Connecticut Chicago year, which would, I mean, that's, I'd pay good money to see that as a finals matchup if we made that happen. Yeah, I keep making um, reference, and I don't know if this is going to happen, obviously, but I keep making reference to there's going to be this scrum in the top six teams to see what the seeding's going to look like because I think there's a lot of really good teams this year. And maybe not one dominant team, but five or six good to great teams are going to be in the league this year. I think Chicago has the talent to kind of separate itself from that mess. And let everybody, you know, Chicago and Connecticut might be a one-two that just like has this disaster happening behind them in the standings the whole year. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because every once in a while we see things tear themselves out like that. Like uh, college basketball this last year, we saw the top four women's basketball programs kind of set themselves as a tier above. And that true proved mostly true throughout the, like the March Madness bracket. I, I could easily see Connecticut and Chicago establishing themselves as the top tier. And then the next tier just being a complete bloodbath um, between Yo, I, Vegas, Minnesota, I, Seattle, Phoenix. Maybe, my mind maybe goes back to the twenty to twenty eighteen when there were kind of five teams that, as I'm looking at the standings, I'm remembering this. There were five teams who really uh, held a competitive edge, and it seemed like at any point any of them could potentially be a breakout team. And during the early parts of the season, you would see them bounce between those one and two seeds a lot. Connecticut had a spot on top for a while. Phoenix looked like the best team for a minute. The Atlanta Dream had a really strong run. That was the year they were the second seed. Um, Washington looked really good, even though they were dealing with injuries that entire year. But by about all-star time through the rest of the year, the Seattle Storm just were like, we're the best team in the league. And... You saw these other four teams all within, I believe, a game and a half of each other or two games of each other, and then the storm standing firmly atop yeah. the rank. Like it was and and that could very well see itself happen. And if that type of scenario happens, I could easily see it being Chicago. Yeah. If if they if they get that rhythm down, if if they're able to make the rotations my, work, yeah, my impression of this season is is that there will be no one dominant team. 
but there will be six teams that can win a championship and it's not going to be because everyone is mediocre. It's going to be because they're really excellent and they went all in on a championship this season before big changes next year. Yeah. I almost think the narrative of this year is going to come down to which team gets pissed off the most earliest. Like, like, and because yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stories of like, the top half of the league is full of those players who, if you irk them just enough, they'll go off. That's, that's the one thing that urges the spark stock quite ahead for me is like, you just picked up some players just, that they just have the maximum disrespect. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, I, that's what makes it intriguing. But in terms of Chicago, and I guess we'll lean into this to close this thing out. I mean, you kind of talked about floor ceiling there. Um, I think their ceiling is most certainly running it back. I don't see why you could argue that for me. I just don't see them. I'm going to be bullish. I don't see how they fall any farther than three. Uh, it would like a, a cataclysmic collapse would have to do that for me. Yeah, I, I think they're going to want home court in the playoffs and deservedly. So, um, and I, yeah. I do like, I, I call their floor six just because we've seen it before because that's what happened last year. But realistically, I I think you're right. I think this is such a good this. I mean, anything can happen. WNBA is crazy, but it's, it's especially, tough to imagine anything but a good season for Chicago. And especially because this year, having home court advantage is going to matter because you have there's, home court yeah, advantages throughout no, the whole playoffs. You have no single series, elimination. Like, so you don't have a scenario where yeah we've got to go to Minnesota, but we can always get them catch them on a lukewarm night and sneak yeah. win over and them. For the record, and now we won. I a little bit miss single elimination because teams like Chicago are I think really going to benefit from being able to avoid a one and done because <laughs> they were the exact sort yeah. of team last year that I thought might suffer from like ah, I just played the wrong team on the wrong night. Dallas got by us and we're out of the playoffs, and they luckily they avoided that situation twice. Um, yeah. but I, I think now in a series, if, if for some reason they don't have a good seed and they've got to go play on the road, but you still have to beat them twice to get past them, it's going to be tough. They're going to be a, at worst, Which, Chicago is a tough out in the playoffs this year, no matter who they're playing. Yeah. I mean, uh, possibly the toughest out, but this definitely, you know, you want to say it plays big dividends for the sun, but I mean, they had that advantage and, and they still got bounced. I'd say in their case, just, it, you know, those teams not having a layover almost helps those top seeds a little more now when you look at that sense of narrative. I will say this much. I do like the single elimination field just on a selfishness perspective, which is why I still stand pat and saying the Commissioner's Cup should just be a condensed tournament because a fun little knockout tournament to kick off the season would be awesome. That's what the NWSL has done with the Challenge Cup and it rules. That would be so, cool. That's that, but, I think that does it for Chicago. I mean, we're obviously yeah. talking lots about Chicago this season, but... We're, we're, this is our longest episode we've done for a preview so far, so we better wrap it soon. Um, yep, yep. We, we skipped over all the plugs at the beginning, but we've got a website, we've got a store, we've got a podcast you can give a five-star written review to that we can read on air. We've got a Twitch channel that you can watch us stream all of our normal episodes when we're not cranking and, out these team and previews. And we'll be getting back on there, mind yes. you. Yeah, we missed the Twitch fam. We'll be doing some live watching, we'll be doing some live reactions. Um a lot of life has happened since we got back from Minneapolis. So we're, believe me, we have a lot of plans for Twitch. What's the season? Yeah, starts. we're, we're going to be full go when the season gets underway. So at WNBA Nation Pod on Twitter, you can find all of that information there if you don't want to rewind a couple seconds and listen to me say it again. Um, 
As far as I know, that's all the plugs. We, we're going to keep on uh, bringing these to you. We've got six more to go. Yeah. Um, but really quick, I just, yes, just to be clear, yes. you said website. I just, yeah, it still feels cool to me. WNBANation.com. That's just, us. It's fun. It's clean. Go to WNBANation.com, AOL keyword WNBANation, and, and head on over. We have like a website and stuff, and it's, you know, it, it's not life. I, I think it looks good. It does Not look just because I know the designer, but it's uh you know it'll connect you to our Twitch, it'll connect you to our our new merch page, uh, episode runs. We do have a blog running where uh, we may intersperse some pieces here and there. I, I, I know believe Kyle, Kyle have been dropping stuff here and there. Yeah, I think Kyle's going to update it with his composite uh, host power rankings here pretty soon. So you're going to get a sense of how we feel about every team going into yeah. the season, so that you can make fun of us. It. A nice little about Holy, bio page where yeah. we're all looking. I, if I say so, very Burt handsome. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of good to, to be had there. So head over to WNBANation.com. It just feels fun. It's fun to have like a clean, hey, we have a website. Um, everyone else who has uh, W we, content websites are like, where have you been? We can't go down this rabbit hole now, but I really want to do like a 90s Nickelodeon style commercial with like, because, you know, they always had like a jazzy way of being like, check out on the internet our new website. And it was like a 90s. Did you know we're website. on the web now? Yeah. 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 Oh, two, one, three, four. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's that's the era. For some reason, I like to. for some reason, all I can think of is the Nickelodeon magazine commercials, which is not a website, <sighs> but Gosh, it's, it's that same feel. The Nickelodeon magazine, please. This is why Jason and Kyle can't let us record together. Um, this is this is instantly where we're going to go eventually. He so. did the O two one thing, and then I immediately, I immediately am jumping into the fact that I'm 33 years old, and I can still tell you stick stick lose address. Um, <laughs> PO box one six three, New York City, New York State one zero one zero eight. Oh boy. That's how we're going to close out the Chicago, Chicago Sky Preview. I, I almost Chicago never Sky host. Fans, be excited. Yeah, I almost never host, so I don't know how to close the show. So congrats. You got four minutes of bonus content there. Um, just Woo! right at the end. But I don't know if Jason will cut or not. But for WME Nation, I'm Logan Jones. I'm Steve Schwartzman. And we got you next time. No, I'll see you in the lobby later. You